Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello, welcome to episode 68, Falling in Love with Love. Danielle Laporte is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and former director of Future Studies Think Tank in Washington, D.C. She's the author of The Firestarter Sessions, White Hot Truth, and The Desire Map, which has sold over 300,000 copies. She's the creator of the Heart Center Facilitator Program and membership with 400-plus leaders doing heart-centered conversation circles and workshops in over 30 countries. Her podcast, With Love, Danielle often ranks in iTunes Wellness Top 10 with over 1 million downloads. DanielleLaporte.com was named Top 100 Websites for Women by Forbes and has over 5 million visitors per month. Her charity of choice is Ally Global, helping survivors of human trafficking to rebuild their lives. She lives in Vancouver, Canada. Find her on Facebook or Instagram at Danielle Laporte. In today's episode, Danielle and I talk about all things love. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, I have an amazing, beautiful guest, Danielle Laporte. Thank you so much for being on the on the show. Well, Infinite Love, how I had to say yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Yeah. yeah. So... I love all things love as you, as you do. And I always start at the podcast talking about what's your journey to yourself? Like, how did you fall into love with yourself and started to use love as an energy, as your guiding Mm. light and your work that you do and who you are in the world? Mm. You couldn't ask a bigger question. I mean, that's a question. Like it's a question of why we incarnate. It's like why we're here. Is that it's the human journey summed up in that question. Um, lots of layers, I would say, you know, all the mystical teachings, the concept is you are love, but it's still just like this concept. Like I resonated with it, but I, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean when I'm suffering? What does that mean when I'm not thinking kindly about somebody? What does that mean when I'm in pain, you know? Um, so, but that concept was there and I believed it that we are made of love and, you know, then there's all the pop culture psych one-on-one talk about self-love. And then you get back into mysticism that talks about, there is no self. Mm. It's like, you know, there's this great quote, you would dig this. I think it was with, uh, Nizradi. I'm not sure. I don't want to misquote the guru, but somebody asked this great guru, how do we pray for others? And he said, there is no other. Right? Like it's just to pray for yourself. You're praying for your neighbor. To pray for your neighbor is to pray for yourself. Which brings me to the point. I'm going to, I'm going to take the long way around this one, but brings me to the point about the theory, which I'm, I'm guessing you have considered about and I would love to hear your thoughts is, do you need to love yourself in order to love somebody else properly? You know, like so much of this relationship psychology is about don't trust someone to love you well, unless they're loving themselves. Mm-hmm. 
And I think if we're all one, what does it matter? Right. If you muster it up and you love somebody else, it's, it's all comes back. So how I got to more self-acceptance and awareness that I am love is like the hard, messy, human, holy way. And it's an ongoing journey. And I started meditating more on vastness and just like, I'm not, I became really clear. I'm not my feelings. I'm not my thoughts. If I'm not my good mood and I'm not my bad mood and I'm not my body, I'm not my physical pain. I'm not my hotness or whatever it is on either side, you know, uh, then what am I? Then I'm, I'm vast and something amazing made me. And I must be a reflection of that amazing source. And I think you can, now this gets very metaphysical, but it's like, you only make things with love. I'm not just talking about, you know, sexual love making, but it's like two different chemistries have to come together to make something, two different substances, like an idea and some action, the feminine and the masculine, you and me having a conversation, whatever it is. It's this love make stuff. And that helped me just get to like, wow, I am love. And to be my true self, I'm my, how do I know I'm being my true self? I'm loving. If I'm not being loving, if I'm not saying kind things to myself or kind things in my mind about somebody else, then I'm not being my real self. And then the next layer is what do I do when I'm not being my true self? What do I do when I'm being arrogant, unkind, afraid, thinking small? Um, I have to be loving with that stuff. So the short, that's the long answer. The short answer is radical acceptance of everything. Radical. I love yeah. that. You know, I love that you, when you're talking about self-love, because there's this whole conversation, you're right, about if you can love someone else, you need to love yourself. You need to love yourself first. And I've, I, you know, I, I adopted that in the beginning and then I moved mm -hmm. into like, if we are all one, then love is love. There's no separation between my love for myself and my love for you. So me focusing on just infinite love, radical love, unconditional love, acceptance, compassion, empathy, as an energy system has helped me love myself more. And of course I love others because it's, there's no separation. Mm -hmm. And that took a long time for me to understand. And even because when you see someone and that's not kind or mean or racist or all mm -hmm. just evil, there's still mm -hmm. this part of me that's like, but I'm you and you are me. And how can I love you in these difficult situations? So when you see someone who is not awesome, right. do you go through the question of, okay, so you just said, I'm you, you're me. Uh, when you say, when you see someone is doing something that you would probably label as evil, mm -hmm. do you say, where is that evil in me? Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Same. And it doesn't seem that it's a practice, that practice of where is that thing that I'm hating, opposing, resisting the most, the, the, the most useful word with this is like that thing that I'm averse to. 
the practice of saying, where is that in me? Sounds ironic, but that's how you get to real love of self and other. Exactly. And it's for me right now, I'm looking at the most painful things like racism and sexism Mm -hmm. and areas of self-loathing that I have that I project onto others. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, that's inside of me. How can I heal this? How can I find ways to find compassion for this painful situation? And it's, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's challenging. It's painful. This is, I think all those reflections, this is what's, for me, this has been key. All those reflections operate on a spectrum. So this is a popular conversation in this, in this wellness space, right. Is around narcissism. Like I'm in partnership with someone who's a narcissist and then lots of women identify as an empath and all of that, you know, and I get all that and I support all that. But what happens there is the person who identifies as the empath or the non-racist or the, or the unevil, the good person, the holier person says, that's not me. Right. Exactly. And my experience has been, you know, I was in a relationship where I like, they are a narcissist. They're a high functioning narcissist. And I just use my big brain to like label it and go into all this Jungian stuff, you know? And I had to realize like, I, that was a reflection of my narcissism. Now, was I a high functioning narcissist? No, I've done my work, got lots of compassion, but there's a seed of the narcissism in me. And I think those of us like who consider ourselves on the path, especially those of us who love love, you know, we're just like, oh, I've done my work and that is so not. But listen, if you're in relationship and it's all relationship, it's a reflection. You're manifesting it. So maybe it's just a little seed or maybe it's like a big bucket of reflection. But you got to find you've got to find where the reflection is. How are you being narcissist, racist? evil. I mean, evil is such a big word. It covers so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and if all you take responsibility for is your little 10%, just take 10, take, take response, full responsibility for your 10% of being the same thing that is pissing you off and somebody else. And that's where the true healing I find is, but it's that you have to get into the tar of your being because nobody wants to see that about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like relationships are so painful because most of the times when you're with anybody, they always bring out the stuff that you just can't stand. And mm-hmm. I, at this point, I'm like, okay, this is an amazing mirror. How can I use this to learn? How can I use this to grow? And it's fascinating, but it's also very gut-wrenching. But it's amazing. Once you get past it, I feel like you become a totally different person. Agreed. You are bringing all those fragments in. I think why it's gut-wrenching is because, and we might not be cognitive of this, but like the heart knows that you've actually abandoned a part of yourself. Like all these little things, these, these fragments that are just like little ego fragments, your manipulation, your arrogance, all that stuff. You made those, you made those little thought babies and they're, they're out there in the world causing trouble and they're wreaking havoc in your life. They're causing you pain because you're not letting them in. Like you got to love all your babies. You got to, you got to, 
you got to love your racism. You got to love your manipulation. You got to love your narcissism. It's like, I made you. You're still welcome here. And it's that welcoming. That's the transformation. So you become less of all those things Mm -hmm. and more virtuous. Yeah, that's where the infinite love comes in, right? Because you're loving all parts of yourself, all of those parts that need so much love. And I feel like me healing those evil or dark sides of myself is healing the world. Because if we're all one, the work that I do for myself heals millions and billions of other people in the world as well. And because we're all this in this collective experience. And I find that's why I feel like healing is so beautiful because it's painful. But if you're taking on that responsibility, it's like you're helping the planet. Like that's my way of helping the planet. Because when I was little, I was so distraught on the condition of the planet. And now I'm like, okay, I can do my inner work because that is actually helping the world. How are you? How do you manage when obviously the world is falling apart? Right. No one asking I, you. Oh, you're asking me? How do I manage? Yeah. I um I I do my work. You know, I think for me, I started this podcast when when the pande- pandemic started because I was like, okay, the world's falling apart, and what can I bring? I'm gonna bring love. I'm gonna talk about infinite love. I'm gonna work on healing myself harder. I've been working on my path harder than ever because now I'm like, okay, like the world's gonna end. And if I, <laughs> I wanna feel like I've contributed something. And that's been my contribution is to talk about love, talk about beauty, talk about joy and live it and have that bring, bring that light into people's world. And that's what do you mean mission. when you say the world's going to end? Well, the world's going to end in at some point, this consciousness of the way we are, it's going to shift at some point. The world is shifting and right. it can go in multiple directions. Who knows how it's going to end or if it's not yep. going to end, it's going to be continuation. Who knows? The world's kind of like in this interesting space and my life is going to end at some point. So my mm-hmm. experience of Earth is going to be over in this embodiment of Corinne in this body. And so I want to do as much as I can before my time's up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Same. But how, how about you? <laughs> same, same, same. Um, <laughs> well, one thing that's like a, a newness for me in the last couple of years has been how I think about the afterlife. Like I think so much yeah. of the insanity that's happening right now really boils down to a fear of death. Of course. 100%. And our fear of death is making us do crazy things mm-hmm. to ourselves and to each other. And it's, it's nutty. Um, so I've had a lot of conversations with myself about death and I'm just like, I'm not afraid to die. Okay. What's that mean? But, but here's the thing, this is what I'm getting at is, you know, growing up in all this new age conversation, I romanticized like the other dimensions, <laughs> right? Like it's going to be, and I used to want yeah. to die, like not in a suicidal way, but I remember, you know, like doing some, you know, sitting in a dorm room with my girlfriend, henning our hands, listening to some cocktail, you know, nag chomp incense. And I just like, girlfriend, I am so out of here. Like, this is my last lifetime. I am not, I'm not, you know, I'll be fine if I die young. Like, this is not where it's at. The other side is where it's at. 
I have a different perspective. Now I feel like you take your stuff with you wherever you go. Like death is not a get out of jail card free, free, get out of free, whatever. It's like (laughs) clean up everything. And all the great mystics talk about this. Yogananda really gets into this. It's like, do it now so that the next dimension, whatever it is, the next incarnation is even better. Like clean it up now. So you have a good night's sleep, clean it up, burn your karma. And I'm just like, and it, and I also kind of, I resisted that kind of give it your all. Cause I'm, I've been very opposed to like life hacking culture. There's a dark side to that. And there's a light side to that. Like, yes, efficiency, beauty, all of that. But there's also a like override your body and all that. But now I'm just like, I'm going to give it my all. I'm yeah. really, and it's like, it just reflects what you were saying. Just like, I'm here and the world's going to end, which I think is just another way to say that. Like the world is going to change Like You yeah. know, this paradigm is down for the count. And um, I want to be the contrast. I want to be the density in, I want, I want, I want to be the lightness in the density. I want to be, I want to be the sanity and the crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's kind of what's inspired me to wake up every morning. I'm like, okay, like I just got to do the work. And mm-hmm. I've been following your career for a long time and you've, you know, have, you're an author of many books and you've been doing so many things, but I've noticed in the past few years, you've shifted into doing more heart-centered work and is this correlates to what we were just talking about in terms of focusing on being that light where you moved your whole business in that direction yeah i am obsessed with simplicity right now as a spiritual practice and i just got softer i got um i got i became more gentle and that's the result of burnout, fatigue, hard knocks, dark night of the soul, and experimenting, like, and wanting to, you know, one of my prayers is I wake up every day and I say, Christ, which is my way of saying Christ consciousness, love, I could just say, dear love energy. I want to know your perfect love. I want to be your perfect love. I want to embody your perfect love. And the answers I always get are only ever gentle. You know, like Jesus never says, push harder, ever. My heart never says to me, um, work 60 hours this week. <laughs> it never says, hold that grudge and prove how right you are. <laughs> like, it's just like the answer is always, always something to do with being more gentle and softening. And I see this in spiritual teachers, like the ones I resonate with the most are gentle beings. And there's, I mean, you look at the Dalai Lama, dude has suffered a lot. And um, (laughs) it's such a quote, Dalai Lama, the dude, Dude Lama has suffered, um, but it's gentleness that moves it really is gentle is gentleness, not the medicine for these times. Like everything yes. I've also been thinking more in terms of antidotes and contrast, mm-hmm. like, you know, wanting to be the lightness and the density 
what's the antidote to all of this polarization and this aggression and this division? Gentleness. But it's, it looks crazy. What's saying looks crazy when the world has lost its mind? Right. But that gentleness is also, I, I take that in as stillness, like being quiet. Because mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. this time has been about listening to my intuition for real. Like I've always for been real. intuitive, right? And my intuition would say do this, but I always override it because my mind will come up with reasons why I shouldn't listen. And now I really listen. Like some, you know, mm -hmm. and it could be something very simple like, oh, don't go into that store go into that one. Okay, I'm going to go into that one. Boom, I meet someone I was supposed you know, I meet someone that I was supposed to talk to I haven't seen in a long time and I'm like, wow. It's so powerful when we are quiet and we allow those little vo that little voice to become bigger and louder and louder until your heart is the one that's leading you. And that takes a lot of practice and I think the last couple of years I've learned to be quiet and to allow that allow my heart to lead and I'm not perfect. It's still a work in progress, but that's definitely made a big difference. Sometimes I feel embarrassed by like at the, I've gone a whole day and I haven't just asked my heart what to do, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, then you get that, like you get that five o'clock frustration and it's like, yeah. Oh gosh, I just forgot to check in. Right. And uh, you're right. It takes practice. I mean, like, you know, I get this a lot with like, you know, I have this heart centered membership and the newbies will always ask, but how, but how, but how? And I'm just like, but just keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm -hmm. There's no new answer. The answer is always the same. Be gentle with yourself. Stillness slash stillness slash some silence. You know, they're sisters. And listen in the morning. Listen at lunch. Listen before you go to bed. Do it again next day. You know, God is not giving up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Yeah. 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 God is one of those conversations that mm -hmm. it took a long time to have those conversations with God because mm -hmm. I was so angry for so long. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think and I've accepted my anger. I think that's mm -hmm. I've allowed myself to be like, OK, the world has some flaws and I have to accept mm -hmm. that's what it is and move forward. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's been whenever I talk about the, you know, what we were talking about earlier, seeing the evil in others and seeing it in myself, mm -hmm. then trying to think about God and, and that concept has always been yes. like so challenging to accept the reality of what this reality is. It's, um, yeah. it's, you know, it's challenging. So I feel like being on a spiritual path is really, um, heart wrenching, rewarding. It's amazing, but it's also, you have to be so compassionate and so open to allowing different possibilities of what's going on for people. I think that is the path. I think like if you were to visualize it, like the road is compassion. Yeah. You get off that road, you got to get back on the road. And then all of the things like the, you know, what your, your body, your psyche, your mind is experiencing is, are all those challenges, but just stay, stay on compassion street mm -hmm. and you can meet them all. But this conversation about God gets into a conversation about self-responsibility again, which brings us right. back to love. So a couple of years ago, you know, I was doing some more, I was reading hermetic, comedic philosophy stuff and 
came across the idea that God neither punishes nor rewards Mm -hmm. nor protects us. God does not punish you. She, he does not reward you. She, he does not protect you. That's a mind blower. That's just like dynamite for any kind of paradigm, right? And And then I could see all these similarities with other spiritual perspectives and mystical teachings um, that it's not God that's messed us up. It's not, it's, we're not in this pickle because of God punishing us. This is of our making. This is of our making and whatever, however you want to look at it, the divine mother life force, whatever is breathing you and keeping your heart beating without you consciously saying, I need to breathe mother nature. However, is just like holding us while we figure this out and holding us unconditionally and still like giving us clean water and breath and relationships and babies and trees while we realize that we have a choice and we can make very wrong choices and guess what we're still going to be loved but we're going to suffer because of those wrong choices or we can make very right choices aligned with we can make choices either from the ego or from love we can make choices that it's not about life or father sky approving it's about us finally having the wisdom to be like oh i'm aligned yeah i you know you know like some someday i i think to myself again i'm gonna go i work for god I'm good. Like, not that any, you know, like I just, yeah. it's not that anybody's not good, but I just like, I just realized it and I'm committed. That's my wake up and giver. Like, and then here's the like almost so hard to conceive beautiful thing. It's like when you commit that you work for love, your day is going to be about every choice you make is going to be for love. It's going to have that vibe. It's going to be, you know, you're on, you're on team love, right? Right. (laughs) Then love is supporting you. There's, you don't have to move uphill. Love is just, I think it's always in, it's in the corner of the room saying, I'm just waiting for you to ask for directions. Mm -hmm. And, and then you go into the store and you meet the right person or the money shows up or or you say, sorry, you know, it's like, I choice. just think it's a choice yeah. and how, look at, look at what saying sorry can do for your whole life. Oh my God. Just apologize. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. It's a choice. And I think, you know, making that choice to love is that Christ consciousness, it's working for God, it's being of service to the world, it's Mm -hmm. bringing light and joy into people's lives and for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into some of the um, infinite love questions. Okay. I love, I love, I love format questions. Like let's do rapid fire. Go. (laughs) How do you express love in your work? I do my work. So the most important thing I do for my career, let's say, is I meditate. And then I can show up clear and loving. 
that's how I express love in my work. Okay. Yeah. The second one is where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Everywhere. So a really practical story is, and this goes back to you just take responsibility for your 10% of whatever it is. If you were 90% the, the douche, great. <laughs> That'd be 90%. Sorry. Is I was in a relationship and I thought that person really owed me an apology. And they did because they did some really shitty things. But I did a couple shit things myself. And I decided, Danielle, just apologize for your 10% without any expectation of A, being forgiven, or that they're going to step up and say sorry for their 90%. And with my whole heart, I would just like, hey, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for my way I did that. And it like melted an iceberg between us. Mm. And that other person actually stepped forward and said, sorry for a few things that were shocking to me that they'd been carrying it around. I felt sorry for them. I felt sympathy, like, wow, you've been carrying that and changed, changed how I went through life. Yeah. And I'm in a relationship right now. My man, my current partner, hopefully life partner is, um, a very forgiving person and it's why I'm in love with him. He teaches me to forgive all the time. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I, um, the first time I truly forget, forgave somebody, mm. I had literally this rush of energy that came back into yes. my body. Yeah. And it was so remarkable that I was like, Oh my God, why have I not done this earlier? But for now, I understand why like gurus and these mystics are always forgiving. It's like they love and forgive, love and forgive in the same breath. Like they're always forgiving because there is an energy of you just hold on to that energy. And it's the energy that you can't give out because you're mm -hmm. holding it back because of a grudge or whatever, or hurt feelings. or So it's interesting to me because I felt like I learned in that moment that love is an outward movement, like forgiving is mm -hmm. an inward move, like holding on to things makes things stay in. And you can't give out the love that you want to because of whatever grudges you're ha being held. And that totally changed my whole life. I mean, right. I'm still working on it to be that yeah. love, that having that level of just constantly forgiving, constantly forgiving, but it was remarkable. It's the best moment. high. Right. That rush of energy. I just, I get it. I wanted to, after that, you know, I sat in my kitchen, had that conversation. I was just like, who else can I forgive? Right. And it's like everybody, the answer is everybody all the time. Right. Like the guy who flips you off in traffic mm -hmm. and everything all the time. And I do mean everything. And, you know, and the ego mind and everybody and their ego mind is going to say, but what about the unforgivable? Yeah, that too. Because you could go even bigger, you could go bigger and say, maybe I did the unforgivable in another life, maybe I'm going to do the un what someone thinks is unforgivable in this lifetime. Um, life is, we all get to, we all come from the same source, we all get to go back to the same source. You know, I, I remember reading about um, Buddhist monks, who would have photos of Hitler on their altars wow. and not meditating or praying for him to change, but praying to generate their own forgiveness towards mm. his atrocities. And 
And I mean, is that not the ultimate? Now, can all of us get there in this lifetime? No, I mean, some of us can't even forgive our sisters for like, you know, stuff they did when we were kids. Um, but at least consider that that kind of liberation is possible. And then like a next logical question is going to be, well, what about balance? And what about karma? It's, it ha- look, everything in the universe is going to balance itself. Right. Someone like Hitler, Hitler is, is, is paying the price eons, eons of suffering. Um, it's not, you don't have to dispense it. You don't have to worry about it. Just let it go. That soul is going to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it doesn't mean you don't feel the pain and the sorrow. Right. And every soul has their journey. So really, yeah. that's kind of where you can be um, nicely selfish and wor- worry about your own soul. At least for me, I'm like, yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going to have their own journey. I can work on my forgiveness because it's about growing myself and not worry about someone else's karma. Because yeah. we don't I don't understand the bigger picture. So I kind of have mm-hmm. to let that go. So the third question is, what is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? Oh, lots. Um, so many little ones. Like New Year's Eve, I, I was a little abrupt with my man. And I texted him later and said, God, I really feel awful for that. And he's like, it's okay, you're tired. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to do that for somebody else, you know? Yeah. Um, sitting in my car 20 years ago in this crappy little truck I drove I didn't have enough money for rent and my girlfriend who was not making a lot of dough gave me two $100 bills Chain, changed everything I got to pay rent I was like oh my god I'm going to give someone two $100 bills someday mm-hmm. um, a friend who was three months pregnant and barfing all the time drove me in a U-Haul from Santa Fe to Seattle <laughs> wow. just those things People have forgiven me. People have forgiven me for, people have invited me back when I didn't think I would be invited back. And um, even my son, you know, all parents are imperfect. Like, he's just like, it's okay, mom. Like, okay, it's all okay. If you say it's okay, then the universe is right. Yeah. What do you love most about your life? That I live by a forest and that I have really loving people in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel you receive love? Uh, gratefully. <laughs> <laughs> With resistance sometimes. Just like, oh, it's okay. I just deflect. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. That's okay. It's easy for me. No problem. Um, but gratefully, I really feel that in my relationship with like the greater divine mm-hmm. of just um, like my latest epiphany is, you know, I still have bad days and pain and suffering. I'm very concerned about the future of the world. Sometimes that concern turns into worry and mm-hmm. tears. And then I can usually pull myself out of it just if I just do one day at a time. And I've just, I'm just starting to look back on my life and go, wow, life always had me. Why would it not have me tomorrow and 10 years from now? Right. Um, 
So I feel that's the greatest reception of love to just like, the mother has always had my back, always. Mm -hmm. And my last question is, where has love created a miracle in your life? Mm, I would say that forgiveness story, that felt miraculous mm -hmm. to go back to somebody who I thought owed it to me and just say, here's what I owe you. And I really, really meant it. Now, you know, they pissed me off two days later. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to go back into forgiveness mode. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's like you were saying about the, the gurus who just like love and forgive, love and forgive. It's like inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And yeah. it's like an infinity loop. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like, especially when it's a deep, deep pain, it becomes like this spiral. You forgive them and then something else will happen. And it, it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And, mm -hmm. um, and it manifests in so many different ways. I feel like whenever I make a declaration, like I'm going to do this, I'm, you know, life will show me something to like, oh, you want to be a loving person? Here's the situation. You want to be forgiving, a forgiving person? Here's the situation very, mm -hmm. very quickly. And I'm like, okay, God, like, I, I guess I'm on your timeline. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it feels like it's never ending. You know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a, but it's so beautiful. And I always take inspiration by like, Nelson Mandela and these people that are like, yes, I feel like are like, I feel like I put them in like, hey, if they can forgive, he's a deity, right? Yes. Isn't he? Yes. I'm just like, wow. I often refer to Mandela because, it, especially in terms of just mental sovereignty, right? You know, and, and with my concerns about where the world could go, mm -hmm. I just think if Mandela can say that 27 years in that cell, he felt inwardly liberated right then i can feel freedom in this situation mm -hmm. i can even feel freedom with sometimes what i would call like the terror i have about where the world could go and the heartbreak about where it is it's like you can choose to be liberated no matter what you're in no matter what that bind of the soul is mm -hmm. and um yeah nelson is a He's my the forgiveness. ultimate. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many, I read all these radical stories about forgiveness and I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, um, I just recently heard about this sort of layer about his story was that they had to change out the prison guards um, every three weeks because new guards would come in and they would just be all, you know, twisted and horrible. Mm -hmm. And within, they saw this pattern within three weeks of being around him and the culture he had created, they got to quote unquote soft. Really? And they would have to bring in new, mean, hyper racist guards. That's intense. And they would get, their hearts would open. They would move into love and they'd be wow. like, okay, we need some, we need some narrow-minded unconscious men to come in and they would get new ones. <laughs> and it was just his energy. Just his energy. It's powerful. And, you know, he was engaging with so many of mm -hmm. the guards. Right. And they all, now I think some of the original guards who, of course, you know, they, they're very open about this. Like their hearts were full of hate. Mm. Some of those original guards who became loving beings under the influence, in the influence of Mandela, 
are now looking after the museum. Yeah. That makes me that, like, That's beautiful. Yeah. Holy full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love, 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 love you. And I mm-hmm. am so honored and grateful that you chose to be on my podcast today. For those that want to connect with you, find out more about your membership, how can they do so? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love hanging out on Instagram. So everything's at Danielle Laporte or DanielleLaporte.com. And yeah, I just want to say respect. I don't know where you want to go with what you're doing, but I think wherever you want to go, you're going to get there. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I am sending you so much love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.